this on? Good evening. Welcome. <laughs> when I was um, <coughs> a young sort of Dharma bum hippie chick many years ago, uh, there were various teachings that you would see on people's uh, walls in their dorm rooms or at various uh, centers, or sometimes you'd see Xerox copies of, of sheets of teachings, you could say. And one of them was this piece by, well, actually, it's a little bit unknown who, who wrote it exactly, but it's suspected that it's by someone who wrote it in the 1800s. It's called Des Desert Dada, I think it's how it's said. <laughs> and I had completely had forgotten about it. And uh, someone, a friend of mine, read it to me today on the phone. And so I, I went online and downloaded it. <coughs> and I'm going to read it to you. Can you hear? How about now? Would everybody up, up there? Okay. <clears throat> Go placidly amid the noise and the haste and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly and listen to others, even to the dull and the ignorant. They, too, have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexatious to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain or bitter, for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep, keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love. For in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune, but do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive God to be. And whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul with all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams. It is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. <coughs> so we, many of us, love that peace, that peace, those teachings, because we know we can hear the truth of it. We can hear every line kind of blazing in truth because we know that <clears throat> in our own hearts. It pings, the truth pings in your own heart. And yet, despite how well we know this, <laughs> there can be a lot of rumbling in the mind, the kaleidoscopic chaos that obscures what we really know in our heart. 
So is it possible to really live what we already know? Because I propose to you that you have an interest in Dharma, evidenced by the fact that you've come to this room tonight. You already have the interest. You already have the inclination. You already have the knowing. Very fully alive. And yet, perhaps, like myself, sometimes there's a frustration that we don't quite live what we really know, what the true priorities are. Is it possible to begin to direct your attention in such a way that you start to decondition the madness, the jumbling, and recondition yourselves into this kind of clarity. Is that possible? Well, as it turns out, it's not only possible, it's actually very simple. It's a simple redirection of attention. And a lot of times people think they have the misguided understanding that if they have had that experience of redirecting the attention, perhaps they've been in a retreat or in some special circumstance, some special high, and they had that incredible experience, and then the old madness takes over again and they think, ah, oh, now I've lost it. Now I don't have it anymore. But it's an ongoing relationship with your own awareness. It's a, it's a many, many, many movements in the day of redirecting the attention. So don't ever assume. My teacher used to say, you must be vigilant. Not kind of having to pounce on your attention every second, but just being lightly vigilant to when the mind starts drifting into craziness, agitation, hatred, worry, fears, dramas, being burned up with desires, chasing. As you begin to notice that tendency, most of us have those tendencies to one degree or other. As you begin to notice it, you say, ah, you catch it. You can feel it coming on because you start to feel nervous. <laughs> you catch it and you just simply say, not, a, not so interested in that, interested in this. What's happening here? Ah, we're sitting in a lovely room or we're walking on the street or you know, we're sitting. James told a beautiful story the other day. I, I uh, interviewed James for a YouTube clip for his new book, Awakening Joy, which I know some of you are brand new here tonight and don't know James. He's a marvelous teacher and has a fabulous course called Awakening Joy. In case you would like to actually take a course to induce more joy in your lives. But we did an interview <coughs> the other day, and um, you know, he told a beautiful story from the Joy Course of a man who had had a lifelong habit of basically seeing the glass half empty, grumbling about things, always something wrong. He was on his way from the East Bay to into the city, <coughs> and he was sitting in terrible traffic on the bridge. He's worried he's going to be late. He could feel his anxiety starting to rise. And he, because he was in the course, he knew to stop and find something to be appreciative about. So there he is on the bridge, and he, and he remembers this, and he looks around him, and he notices that there's a thousands, thousands of sparkles on the water, that it's a beautiful day that he's sitting there and there are all these beings in the cars, everyone cooperating, driving like they're supposed to, even though slowly, on the bridge, in safety, in relative safety. 
And he said he felt more and more joyous just sitting there in traffic on the bridge. It's exactly like this. You redirect your attention as needed as many times as you need. Don't be expecting to think that you're going to just have some steady state. You know, you're going to redirect it enough that you, I like to give the example of, you know, many people have this idea that some kind of awakening is going to occur. And it's like you're, you're flying through space as fast as you can, trying, trying, trying to get to enlightenment. And then you finally, you hit it and it's like warp speed. And you just, ah, now. It's not like that. These are, these are ma magical thinking. Good enough that you can many, many times a day just simply move your attention. So easy, really. You can move your attention around. Most of us, most of us can. Some people who have severe mental illness have, uh, have great difficulty in, in focusing their attention. Very sad uh, for them. But most of us, almost everyone, can move their attention around. Most people don't realize that. They just go along at the effect of their conditioning. They go along. You know, you've been highly conditioned, first of all, as a human animal. <coughs> Biology has a tremendous conditioning in you. Your parents have done quite a job <laughs> of conditioning you, bless their hearts. And <coughs> your culture, your peers, the time in history that you were born, the ongoing onslaught of conditioning by the media, you're being strongly, massively, and in a, um, a, a kind of a soaking way, especially with the media we live with more than any in history. We are being bombarded by information. We're being highly conditioned as we go. But you don't have to just be at the effect of that. You can move your attention around. So if you start to notice that you're in a circumstance being bombarded by information that's starting to, you can feel yourself getting agitated, getting angry, getting scared. I heard, uh, heard an interesting thing. I was listening to KPFA today <coughs> in my car. And interesting interview <coughs> with a woman named Rebecca Solnick. Solnick. In which she was saying that in, uh, they've done studies that show that people who watch a lot of local news in big cities, because lots of the local, local news focuses on crime, People who watch a lot of local news in big cities tend to not go out much. <laughs> they become more and more afraid to go out. They don't like to walk around. So we have to <coughs> notice what the conditioning is doing and make an informed decision to, to in a sense, manage your own awareness. You can condition your awareness in freedom. You can condition your awareness in present reality. You can start changing the habit from just sort of going along with whatever barrage is happening in your mind. You can start changing this habit into this sense of lightness of being. Like the guy on the bridge, oh, the sparkles on the water. You can decide to focus on something to be grateful for. You can simply just start noticing the aliveness in your own body. The feeling of breathing, the feeling of the quality of the air, or the coolness or the warmth on your skin. You can generate thoughts of loving kindness. 
you have any number of tools in your freedom toolbox. And as you habituate, as you habituate in moving your attention, it becomes easier and quicker. You don't have to go through the whole, you know, uh, bottoming out in misery. You don't have to end up with the feeling of anxiety that has now produced anxiety chemicals in your body that take a longer time to process. Once your body has a lot of anxiety chemicals running in it, it's, it, it takes a bit of time for that to calm down. So even at the first hint, at the first sign, the first agitation, the first wave of fear, and I'm talking about fear that is induced by imagination. Of course, I'm not talking about fear that is necessary to get you out of the way of harm. I'm talking about fear that is completely useless. As, as soon as you start to feel that fear coming on, not interested. Interested in aliveness, in ease. Become interested in the ease of being. Become very interested in that. How to feel more ease. Choose peace. Many spiritual systems would have you think that that is some very long process and that after years of striving and straining, you might attain that. But I'm talking about the peace that you choose right now, instantaneously. Good enough. So um, our format is a little different than what you're used to, those of you who are uh, James's group. Um, we do a dialogue in my sessions. So uh, I would invite your questions on these matters. Feel free. And of course, not obliged. <laughs> I love that one too, David. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. I think it's from the 1800s. Sorry? But there's, there's a dispute about that. Yeah, it's not clear, you know, which I like. I kind of like, but it's sort of anonymous. Yeah. I don't remember, no. Yes, dear. Um, can you comment on 
Uh, so I understand the concept of what you're saying in terms of redirection. Uh, one of the things that we often talk about as well is attention to the moment, what is happening right now. Mm -hmm. So there, I can see, a, I could see a conflict between those two comments, paying attention to what's going on right now and redirecting my attention to something else. I only recommend redirecting your attention as needed. So when your attention is off in madness, in imagination that's scaring you and spooking you, or revving you up into some heated you know, uh, state of, of desire, not that desire is wrong, but if, it's, if, if you're in a state of craving that's almost burning, either fear or craving, um, that's the time to redirect the attention into reality. You, once you're living in reality, you don't need to be redirecting your attention anywhere. You're just flowing along. You don't have to be then managing your, your mind. If your habit is very much present, then you just flow along. You just, you know, you just, you're, you're merged with your experience. You're not having to witness it or anything else. You're just fully merged. You're very present. I like to say, like an awake animal, just like an awake animal. You watch animals, you know, they're very present. They're just very attuned, very sensitive. And as we acclimate to that kind of wakefulness, the, the system gets more and more sensitive. You notice more, you smell more clearly, you feel, you see, you sense, you intuit. Because your, your screen is just more open. It's, it's able to pick up you know, flutters of, of information happening in the now without having to strain for it. So I always say you only are, you're only managing the attention when the attention has gone awry. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll use the mic, David, because we're recording, if you don't mind. <coughs> I think there's a problem when, uh, for hold it close, is that better? Mm -hmm. um, when, let's say you've had, uh, I don't know how to say it any better, have a taste of it, and uh, once you've had a taste of it, everything gets amplified. And amplification of desire for more gets amplified. And <laughs> it starts to get this ball rolling, which becomes, in a sense, uh, more and more painful. You want to get back to that place. So you look harder, you sniff more, you, you know. Um, and then you realize, well, that's not getting me anywhere. That's getting me, that's, that's going down the bad path, in a sense, you know, yeah. or the rough path. And uh, just that last, the, the reason why I asked you to say that last sentence was that word strive, you know. That's, <coughs> it's, it's striving which, in my own experience, It yeah. just feels uncomfortable. Yes, yeah, strive isn't exactly the best word. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, being more and more aware of this situation is, is is great. But what you find is that you become more and more aware of the pain and the problems that are associated with, let's say, striving. You know. Yeah, um, strive is not that. That's true. Strive <coughs> is not. I, I usually am emphasizing relaxation, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, so often those words are used, you know, and, yeah. and uh, it's... it's uh, it yeah. But your point about difficult. getting back to uh, an experience that occurred before, and, and many, many people have that tendency, wanting, having had an, a peak experience, or many of them, or a phase of life, and wanting to revisit that somehow, recreate it, 
But it, of course, it doesn't work that way, you know. Yeah. And so it's only in the real, true surrender to things as they are now, to this, that one starts to feel that ease of being, however it shows up. And, and then also, it's very good to, as I like to say, not even keep accounts of how you're doing relative to how it used to be or any kind of comparing like that, to really just let that part go as well and just be constantly merged with just however, however it's flowing now with as much ease of being as you, as you can. Well, once the emergence has occurred, the last thing you want to do is compare. Exactly. You know, it, it's, right. just, it's only when comparing is an aspect of the striving. Right, or of, of yes, of, of some sort of mental struggle that, mm -hmm. is, that is going on. So it, this is, a, again, <coughs> to keep it so simple that just here in this very now, you know, you're just being, and there's thoughts rolling through. They're dissolving immediately. As the Tibetans say, they self-liberate, every one of them. Um, you don't even have to make them go. They go on their own. And so there you sit, you know, just feeling the ease of being here in this room, on your chair, in this context. And it's like that. Then you, next thing you know, after this hour or whatever, half hour is up, then you're walking and you're just that. That's just it. And then you're in your car and, and so on. You're just rolling along in presence, merged with the experience, more and more merged. You do point to something that is an aspect of this, which is that one does become more sensitive. You do become more sensitive. You notice, you notice more joy, but you also notice more of the sorrow. Um, you're more empathic, so you feel more. And that opens you up to actually ex experiencing a bit more suffering but I like to say it just, you know, it's a package deal. You know, to the degree that you experience joy on one end of the spectrum is the same degree you will experience suffering on the other end. A lot of people, because they don't want to feel so much, they're armored. So their range of experience is very narrow. They're, they're in a very narrow, you know, not very joyous and don't want to feel any pain either, you know. And so there's this, you know, um, condensing down of their spirit, you could say. But the more expanded the spirit becomes, the more, the more vulnerable you are. And you're also very prone to joy. It's all, it's all of it. You know, the, as, the, as the Chinese say, the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. Yes, you. My question and comment has to do with the complexity of now. That now isn't always single-aspected. That what piece of now you pay attention to. And the example I'm going to use is pain and that's there and comes and goes, or another physical condition. Can you speak just a bit Sorry. into the mic? So or another physical condition that, that is and can't be affected. And one can put one's attention on that, or one could put one's attention on the rest of what's going on. And yeah. uh, that's and the question about whether one ignores the peace that's there all the time or how much one ignores the piece that's there all the time. Uh, you know, um, <coughs> and because when I've noticed that when I pay too much attention to it, then I go into exactly the panic. And I really do need to direct my attention away from it, but that is directing my attention away from part of reality. Well, it's... Uh, and now, to, part of now. It's to allow more of reality in right. the scope, right? So. Right. Um, to not only focus on the pain, right? To realize there's the pain is happening in a larger context, right? Your your physical pain 
is happening in big open space. It happens to be in your particular body, but it's in open space around you. And you can begin to manage your awareness such that you're not in denial of the pain. Obviously, pain will get your attention. But that it doesn't have to rule. It doesn't have to be the full experience of your life. One of my friends, uh, about 20 years ago, was in a car accident, and her, she broke her back. And even though she can walk, um, she's in constant pain. And for years, she was on heavy meds, and um, she was in pretty continual physical therapy all day, and uh, hospitalizations, operations, bedridden for months at a time, and so on. But eventually, it got to the point where it was basically manageable. And I have to say, her face is so radiant. There was some way that through all of that, she figured out, or her attention moved in such a way that she saw that she was either going to go mad with the pain and just have her life be defined by living in constant pain, or she was going to start focusing on other aspects of her life that gave her joy. So she chose the latter, and she got married, and. Um, she has a beautiful life, even though she has a lot of physical pain. Yes, over on this side. So we'll have to move the. Yeah, I had a question uh, about anger. Yes. <laughs> and um, I know that for me, a lot of my conditioning is to suppress my anger or to, to ignore it or whatever. Um, but then I also am finding it problematic, obviously, when I'm reactive to the anger. So could you say a little bit about working with anger? Yeah, I mean, of course, um, you know, repression isn't recommended such that you kind of implode on yourself. But we all know the cost of expressing anger inappropriately, you know, that, it, that, that there's a blowback. Um, and <clears throat> so to, uh, it's good, I find, that if something needs to be said, and even though it's perhaps coming from, uh, you know, a very sort of disagreeable place in oneself, it's good to just pause and wait until the heat of the fire of the anger is a bit cooled down. You may still have to have a conversation, but it's good to not have it in the hot, hot, white, hot moment when things can be said that are unchecked and that then, you know, and then just cause a whole circle of, of problems, right? So it's, of course, not to be, um, you know, you, you know, you're not going to be a doormat. You don't have to worry about that. But um, at the same time, you don't want to just be flying off the handle. You know, into into rage and into behavior that you're going to regret and live with a lot of remorse. My teacher. Punjaji, he would occasionally have quite a blast of anger. Um, but there was something very clean and clear about it. It would usually come after someone had been misbehaving quite a long time <laughs> and was really over the line and had been just inappropriate for a long while, you know. And Punjaji would try in various ways to get through to the person. And if he couldn't get through in any normal ways, he would, you know, he'd, he would raise the level of, of communication. <laughs> but there was something very, it always felt very like a clean sweep. Thank you. And, yeah. And that's, 
that, that, that one would have to be very judicious with the use of that. You'd have to be sitting in a very quiet place in yourself. Right. Thank you. Maybe I misunderstood a part of the passage in your reading, but I was curious about uh, the language that said um, something like avoid um, uh, undesirable people. <laughs> it was something like that. It was. It and was, I'm. Um, uh, <laughs> where's the loving kindness? And you know, can you what was comment it exactly? on that? Uh, Avoid loud and aggressive persons. <laughs> they are vexatious to the spirit. <laughs> yeah, well, especially aggressive, you know. It's, it's, it's reasonable to um, avoid aggressive people. Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if everybody avoids people like that, then, I mean, is then that... Then they get a message. And if they don't want to be alone, you know. I was on the phone today with one of my friends in Hawaii, and her, um, her daughter is now grown and is, has flowered into this beautiful, amazing young woman um, who's been teaching overseas and is just amazing. But as a, young, as a young child, she was quite a handful. I knew her from the time she was about three. And... Um, and we used to tease her because she was just so in your face. I mean, really, no one could, no one could ever just have a conversation with each other if she was in the room because she was just in your face, being aggressive. And so one time I said to her when she was about eight years old, I said, Eileen, do you want to have people, like when you're in the room, do you want to have people be thinking, oh, I wish she'd come closer? Or do you want them to be thinking, Gosh, I wish she'd go away. <laughs> and she stopped. So it became this mantra that her mom would sometimes say to her, you know, she stopped and really thought about it. It was, I think, the first time it had occurred to her that, you know, <laughs> this is the effect your behavior is having. So, um, yeah, if someone is behaving in such a way, now obviously there are people who, because of their own strong, difficult, terrible conditioning are just simply out of control, right? And we, we can feel incredible compassion for them, right? But that doesn't mean that we have to subject ourselves to abuse and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's my that's my cue. Uh, I guess I've committed myself. I'm from Baltimore, and so <laughs> I got that one real early. Uh, it, but it it was um, uh, uh, post beatnik <laughs> days, and, um, and and it was so um, soothing and told you what to do and. And this and that, and that was it was uh, great. And 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 uh, but then I, I didn't really notice that it had some it had some little chinks in it, you know. And I what, I, what are you what are you referring to? It the, the 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 this this prayer this this um, oh okay. the desiderata, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and um and one of them was was this, and uh, it, it 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 just has a little bit of kind of of feet because you know those people you know <laughs> and and sometimes i i like to hang out with punks you know or wild crazy people because sure. they're vexations to the soul yeah <laughs> so so the way i discovered this was i don't know if you're aware of it but you you you're really well to find wherever you can i don't know where you can find it but there is a an anti desiderata. There is there is <laughs> there is an anti image of this. 
<laughs> a positron floating around in the universe. And um, uh, I think it was done by Firesign Theater, if I'm not, <laughs> not incorrect. Um, I can only remember little pieces of it, um, but the ending is quite profound. It, it says, um, um, for you are, for you are a, a fluke in the universe, and whether you know it or not, the universe <laughs> is laughing at you behind your back. <laughs> so, so it takes all the sort of nicey, nicey, nicey edge off the thing. Yeah, and, yeah. and two of them together are, are, are a nice set, yes, you know. Uh, yeah, nice sort of balance. yin and yang. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, let's see. I really appreciate you talking about the redirecting of your attention. Because today I had, uh, I was anticipating a conversation with a friend that I was going to have on the phone and some other business things. And I started to feel an anxiety coming on. And I went. I was really able to like leave where I was in that anxious place and pay attention to what I know really brings me um, closer to yeah. a calm and a clarity. So what that is for me often is into my body. And I went to the Y, and I was stretching, and I thought, oh, this feels so wonderful. I did this. This is heaven. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, I know that there are other times in my experience, of course, um, you know, where I have to really pay attention to saying, do something different. Yes. Do something different. Yes. Don't keep doing the habit. Right. And it's really strenuous sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's it's a yeah, really that's strenuous okay. sometimes um, there are clusters uh, you know that for whatever reasons, you know, whether it's biochemical or just some circumstance in your life that's you know that there's a lot of pressure and a lot of tension, a lot of stress. And in those times, then it does take a lot more vigilance. But that's okay. Those times will pass. Um, it's interesting because, um, you know, given the times that we're living and so forth, um, one of the conditions that I'm working with is more unemployment than I'm comfortable with uh -huh. and how to keep being at what I need to be at and also make time for the calm within that. So you're saying you're not working as much as you'd like to be working. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not employed. I mean, I'm working, but I'm not as employed. <laughs> I feel like I'm really working. Um, so anyway, but I really appreciate, um, you know, just the simplicity of that and saying how simple it is and reminding yeah, because us about that because to the degree the, that... the anxiety takes over, if the stress takes over, what it also does is it it usurps the clarity of mind that can actually address whatever problem is at hand. Exactly. exactly. So it, it 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 takes up a lot of the uh, <coughs> the mental screen that is needed for addressing one's life circumstances. Whereas when there's a habit of flow, when there's a habit of merging with present awareness. I like to say that you get very good, I think you've probably heard me say this, you get very good at flying by the seat of your pants. Um, and I once looked, I love that phrase, and I always feel like I'm flying by the seat of my pants. And I looked it up, <coughs> to find out what the etymology of that phrase is, and it's from early aviation days when pilots didn't have instruments. And they were literally flying, <laughs> they were in their one-seater planes, flying by how it felt in the seat of the plane, how it felt literally in the seat of their pants. They're flying according to the wind currents. 
and um, and you know you can imagine, um, and as one acclimates to being in present awareness, to kind of being merged and in, in ease of being and flowing from that place, you get better and better at flying by the seat of your pants. You get pretty good. Punjaji used to always say, you trust the innate intelligence because it has, it has tremendous clarity, your own innate intelligence, if only you can access it. And it's easily accessed. When you're, when you're, there's an expansion of awareness. A lot of times, people experience like they're taking a shower, and suddenly, something arises that ah, oh, oh, that's an easier way to do this, right? An insight comes unbidden because the awareness was just floating, you know, in sensory clarity. Um, we can induce that through our directing of our own attention to be much more the habit of mind, much more the habit of life. And then you get, you become more trusting of not needing to figure out the grand plan, but rather just knowing that you're going to flow with what is at, at hand. Right? And in that ease of being, you're not as attached to how things are turning out, you know, in the, in the grand plan scenario. You're knowing, you're trusting that, okay, well, however it's going, I'm going to just be flowing along like this. Hi. Um, how do you manage your? I, I feel like I have this addiction to like the darker fear, anxiety, and stress. So the whole redirection. Yeah. I, there's like this moment where I would just jump back into the fear <laughs> and stressing and anxiety, even if I noticed it. Yeah. Because um, it's so comfortable and familiar. Yeah. 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 I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I was recommending to him that he redirect his awareness. And he, and he said, well, to tell you the truth, I'm in a kill, kill, kill mode. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, at the point that that mood <laughs> becomes very uncomfortable, <laughs> then it's time to redirect the awareness. So the, what you're describing, yes, many of us were conditioned in such a way, for whatever reasons, that there's a kind of familiarity and a kind of comfortableness with negative mind states. And there's a way that that makes us feel alive. It's how we relate to our aliveness, right? But I propose that there's a much greater aliveness possible even though it's going to feel very, very different than the usual. It's going to be that aliveness that comes with this quiet and this, and this uh, sparkle of, of just pure beingness, just being. Because I, I know it doesn't serve me well, because I can't see clearly, and I make poor choices and things like that, and logically. But when I'm in the moment, it's just so easy to get sucked in. Yeah, and as soon as that starts to feel uncomfortable, Okay. So just know that your own guidance system is at work here. When it starts to feel very uncomfortable, as soon as you start to notice it, then you make your choice. You can either keep going with it, right? It's up to you. No one's keeping score, by the way. <laughs> you know, no one's keeping score, only you. <laughs> so it's only your own experiment with truth that you're making. And at the point that it starts to feel, you know, I, I just don't want to be living like this. I don't want to be f feeling this on such a continual basis, right? Then you, you just redirect right there in that moment. And maybe it, you have to do it again in five seconds. 
right? And one minute later, again, it doesn't matter how many times. And then, like I said, the habit can shift from being mostly a habit of mental misery to being mostly at ease with occasional, just for old time's sake, <laughs> dips into the misery. It can shift in terms of, of its preponderance. And it's a happy shift. And you begin, to, you begin to experience a different feeling of how you know your own aliveness to be. See, for myself, when I am experiencing agitation or irritation or whatever, it's very startling to my system. It feels extremely toxic. But I'm aware that as a younger person, you know, at the effect of my conditioning, I lived like that most of the time. That's what felt normal. I was nervous inside. I was, I was tense inside. You know, for, you know, the conditioning that I had would produce that. And um, now that habit has so changed that just a little bit of that feels extremely toxic to my system. Feels like I can, I really can't bear it. I, I worked on Wall Street for many years, mm -hmm. and then when I moved to California, it took about two years before I just stopped being completely angry every day. Yeah. And then the third year, <laughs> I started to just chill a little. And by the third year, I stopped wearing black suits every day. <laughs> <laughs> and now the fourth year, I'm just starting to chill a little bit more. Well, that's more. a rapid progression. <coughs> it is. And, and it can go even more and more quickly. Because I like to say, this conditions itself much more quickly than you would expect, given the practice of the old habit, how long it was, right? The habit of ease can be much faster for two very good reasons. One is, you begin to realize how it's much more about living in reality. So the mind has a natural respect, actually, for coming into truth instead of living in you know, dark imagination. And two, it feels good. So it starts to condition the habit strongly because it feels good. So for these two reasons, it's true, and, and a discerning mind will start to you know, lean toward the truth. And it feels much, much better. So the habit of ease is surprisingly you know, fast compared to when you think about how long one had practiced the habit of misery. So have, have heart that it's going in that direction. Like Nisargadatta said, like a spark in a shipload of cotton. It's, it's, gonna, it's just going to, at some point, you know, really be blazing along. So. Okay, one last question. <coughs> I've really gotten a lot of good reminders from these conversations. Um, and one of the things that I noticed for me that it's a sticking point is um, I'll, kn I'll know to redirect, but the body sensation is so strong. Yeah. It's like a Velcro to it kind of thing. And it's yeah. like going back and just like, okay, I'm paying, I see it, I pay attention. It's like really intense and sort of like, okay, redirect, uh, and, you know, I've worked with it. and So you know, you're saying the body, like in other words, you might have had some negative mental state and it's produced body chemistry. Yeah, and it gets like this really tense, like feeling, say, in my stomach or yeah. something, and mm -hmm. then it's like incredibly strong. So I might know, okay, you know, stop thinking whatever I've been thinking about, but then that is 
you know, lingering in yeah. this really long yeah. way. I and always like to uh, suggest that you treat it as indigestion. <laughs> <laughs> as though you've, you know, swallowed something that didn't agree with you, and now you've got to wait it out, you know? But you don't want to keep eating the thing that made you sick, right? So you don't want to keep feeding the thoughts. Exactly, yeah. And sometimes I try to think, you know, imagine, you know, some meta or some light around it. Like, is there anything that's not intense, you know? And yes. that can help. But there's still some, I mean, there's a, a slight level of impatience of like, okay, I know what's happening here. Like, let's move on here, you know? <laughs> and so sure. Yeah, it's, well, it's actually also a good deconditioning factor for those kinds of mental states because you, you realize how costly they are physically. That's why I was saying for myself, you know, any prolonged stress or agitation or irritation or grumbling about a story, I can feel the toxicity in my body, you know. And so um, th it is just a yet another reminder for a good reason to re redirect the attention as soon as possible. And don't worry about the fact that the body chemistry is on its, on its own. It's moving, that is a slower process than the rapid fire thoughts. Exactly, and, I think, and so like the other things don't seem sometimes as compelling because that's so, like to redirect to some other, like, oh, it's a beautiful day, but like I have this tension in my back. And but keep, keep um, you know, keep, you don't have to deny the tension in your back, but keep expanding the awareness into reality, into seeing that this is happening in a very big space. The tension in your back, the story that's running through, the whatever, just start moving the attention out into a sense of space. After all, we are in a very big space. Yeah, right. That's really great reminders. Yes, Thanks. and so you, instead of feeling locked in a closet, in a tiny little cubby hole with you and your problems and thoughts and worries and dramas and, and uh, list of grievances, right? Um, instead of that, you start to, you, it starts to feel opening out. And suddenly, you don't have to deny any of those things, but suddenly they're just floating out in big, big <laughs> space. <laughs> and they don't seem so significant. I was walking the other day in a um, cemetery, and, um, you know, just as one does, just looking at the name, you know, you can't help but no notice the names and the dates. And, and I was just reflecting about how all those people, all of their worries and troubles and stories, and all, all of it seemed very important to them, didn't it? Probably. So you keep this kind of reality going, you know, keep, keep things in perspective, keep the priorities clear. This is your precious life. Why miss it? Why dream it away, fantasize it away, or grumble it away, being lost in imagination, right? Okay, well, thank you all so much. It was lovely to be here again in this uh, beautiful group. I love that, uh, that James and the team of people who provide this, and it does take quite a team, uh, are so committed to this. Um, <coughs> we have a web I have a website. My name is Catherine Ingram. You can go to katherineingram.com. Uh, we don't have a schedule right now, but I'll be starting up one soon. I'm in a bit of a sabbatical. And, um, and at some point, we'll be starting up webcasts. So wherever I am, you can tune into those. And I'll roll back through the Bay Area at some point. Um, Tuesday, leave on Tuesday. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.